City Church's virtual church, whatever you want to call it. Um, just glad to be, again, being able to, to come to you, share with you. I wish we could do it in person, but, you know, we got to do what we got to do. As I was thinking through that, before we get into the message today, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and it amazes me how we, we get a, a wrong understanding of what this is all about. Not just the pandemic, but the idea of church. Um, you know, I know I would love to be able to get back together, meet together in a building, hang out. Trust me, I'm I'm an extrovert. I miss everybody from the church. Want to get together and hang out. But you know, it's not a matter of whether we're in a building or not. It's not a matter of what the style is. It's not even a matter of whether we do a a preaching time or a teaching time or small groups. The issue is we're seeking to honor the Lord and the way we live. They're seeking to honor the Lord and what we say and do. And so that's what this is about. As we commune together, as we can somehow minister to each other through Zoom or whatever, but the goal is to honor the Lord. And so if that's through one preaching style versus another preaching style versus whether you're in a building, behind a pulpit, sitting in a a house in Central Asia, whatever it is, that we're here to honor Him. So I just want us to keep that in mind as we we worship together, as we study the Scriptures together. Now today, as we're we're getting into our message series again on who does He know He is. I was thinking of this today's message, and back several years ago, it's probably been further back than I'd like to remember, I watched the movie The Da Vinci Code. Now, there are a lot of different things we can say about the Da Vinci Code, but one thing that Tom Hanks' character said that was just blatantly wrong and misleading, well, there's probably a lot of things, but, but one thing that, I, that stood out to me was he said at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. that they, they had a vote that they barely decided in that vote, it was a close vote on whether or not Jesus was God and that that nobody had ever believed that before. Now that's deceptive. Sounds good because you're you're quoting about a, a council from the early church, but it's just flat out wrong. The council of Nicaea gathered together because there was a man named Arius who had said that Jesus is not God. And because he said that, this council came together to prove him wrong. But this was not proof the first time ever in 300 years since Jesus died. This was, this was something that had been going on forever. As a matter of fact, if you look in the scriptures in John chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. So very early on, Thomas is recognizing this is Jesus' resurrected body there in the, the upper room just a week after the crucifixion. And he's already recognizing him as God. Then we see, it, it, Paul says in Colossians, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So Paul, just maybe 30 or so years later, 
is saying the exact same thing, that Jesus is God. One of the early church fathers, Ignatius, said this, God himself was manifested in human form. That was A.D. 105. In A.D. 150, Clement said, It is fitting that you should think of Jesus Christ as God. In A.D. 180, Irenaeus said, He is God. The name Emmanuel indicates this. Origen in 225 said, No one should be offended that the Savior is also God. Lactantius said in 304, we believe him to be God. So, the Council of Nicaea, 21 years later after Lactantius, is saying we believe this same thing. We're just trying to prove that Arius is wrong in his theology. He's teaching heresy. So, Tom Hanks was wrong in the movie. And the issue is not... not what was decided there, the issue was they already knew that Jesus was God. But we're, we're quoting Thomas, we're quoting Paul, we're quoting these church fathers. But what's the title of our series? Who does Jesus know he is? Who does he know he is not? Doesn't matter what other people think. Jesus is the authority as to who he is. So as we come today to John Chapter 10, we were in John chapter 10 last week with uh, Brian teaching about the shepherd, and I am the good shepherd, and I take care of the sheep. Now we're coming to the next story in John chapter 10. Now, even though it's the same chapter, it's about two and a half months after the time that we talked about last week when he taught about being the good shepherd. The two are combined together because they both talk about Jesus's sheep, but here we're coming together, and, and Jesus says, it basically says, during the time of the dedication, the feast of dedication. Now, I know all of you Old Testament scholars are sitting saying, the feast of dedication, I don't remember that one from the Old Testament. I know the feast of booths. I know the feast of tabernacles. But what is this feast of dedication? Good question. I'm glad you asked. This happened during the intertestamental time, from the time that the Old Testament ended with Malachi to the time that the New Testament began with Matthew. There was this period of time, about 400 years, and during that time is when the Feast of Dedication came about. Now, we don't recognize it by that name. We would recognize it by the name Hanukkah. What happened during this time was Antiochus Epiphanes came in, desecrated the temple, began to sacrifice pigs in the temple. But then Joseph Maccabeus and his his group defeated Antiochus Epiphanes and took the temple back over and wanted to rededicate the temple. The problem was they only had one jar of pure oil that they could dedicate the temple with. So they thought, well, that's probably about one day's worth of oil. We'll do what we can. But God miraculously increase the oil, and for eight days that oil lasted so they could dedicate the temple again. Now, that was an exciting thing. It was a great... That's why Hanukkah is an eight-day celebration. It's recognizing that God did a miracle. And so now, during this Feast of Dedication, the Jews are having this big celebration because in their mind, what Jacobus, I mean, what Jacob Maccabeus started 
now is being fulfilled. If the Messiah is going to come, he's going to come and he's going to set up the rule for the Jews on earth. He's going to defeat Rome. He's going to set up kingdom. And so that's what they're expecting. That's why now that Jesus is starting to stir some things up, people are beginning to wonder what's going on. And so as Jesus is there in the temple during this time, he comes along and the the Jews and the leaders in the temple kind of crowd around and block him in. They're saying, okay, we really need to talk to you. We have a question to ask you. So we want to know what's going on. So this is what they ask him. It says, the Jews gathered around him and asked him, how long will you keep us in suspense? Are you, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So they're saying, all right, we've been expecting the Messiah. People are saying you might be him. We're not convinced, so we want you to tell us straight out yes or no. Now, Jesus' answer to them is, I've already told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. See, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. He says, you know what? You're asking me a question that I've already answered. I told you with my mouth. I showed you with my works. But in the midst of it all, you refuse to believe. Now again, remember we've talked about Jesus is getting closer and closer to his crucifixion. And he is in control of when that happens. According to the scriptures, it's going to happen during Passover. According to the scriptures, there's different things that have to be fulfilled. And Jesus is fulfilling those things. He's working up to irritating these leaders to the point where they will eventually uh, turn him over to the Romans and he'll be crucified. And so here he says, look, I've already told you. And, And if you don't believe the fact that I've told you, you don't believe the works that I have done, let me just tell you one other thing. I and the Father are one. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus telling these guys that before Abraham was born, I am. And they understood that. They knew he was claiming the name of God there. He was claiming to be God. And and they picked up stones to, to kill him then. And remember, he left the temple and nothing happened. And then with the Samaritan woman who's looking for the Messiah, he says, I am the Messiah. And now here he is with these guys again, and he's pushed the envelope one step further. Because by saying, I and the Father are one, they understand that for him to be claiming to be God even more than saying, I am. How do we know they understand that to be true? Well, first off, let me give you a quote here by uh, Warren Weirdsby. He said, the word one does not suggest that the Father and the Son are identical persons. Rather, it means that they are one in essence. The Father is God and the Son is God. And you say, well, how do you know 
that these guys understood that. Well, the very next verse says, they picked up stones to stone him. Actually, it's a little bit later in the passage because they get into this final showdown. And the reason I say it's the final showdown is this is the last time Jesus will be in Jerusalem until Palm Sunday. And so now he is pushing it. He's, he's with these guys. And so they say, hey, you're claiming to be God. And he says, you know, he kind of brings up an Old Testament passage. He says, what's the big deal? In the Old Testament, in Psalm 82, the scriptures call human beings gods. Now, that's a, a passage we would have to deal with later. I know the cults use that in different ways. He's not saying that he agrees that human beings are gods. He's using what's called an argument from the lesser to the greater. If your scripture says human beings are gods, what's the big deal about me claiming to be God? And that's just ticking them off a little bit more. And they're going a little bit further. And so now it's just this argument goes back and forth. And they pick up these stones to kill him. And it says he walks out of the temple he goes and he goes back across the Jordan River to the area where John was baptizing and he stays there. And it says, and many believed in him there. Because as we look at this, this story, as we've looked at all these stories, it's real easy for us to look at the Jews, the Pharisees, and come down hard on them. But these guys had for years, their whole life, had been dedicated to studying the scriptures, to understanding what was going on. And now this guy who is from Nazareth, which they didn't believe the Messiah was going to come from Nazareth, is coming along and he's telling them all these things. He's challenging their authority. And they're, they're saying, hey, you can't do this. Some of the Pharisees, some of the rulers actually followed Christ. Nicodemus followed Christ. Joseph of Arimathea followed Christ. But some of these guys are going, no, we're not going to do that. And as a matter of fact, there's two reactions that we can have towards Jesus. There could be a lot of different things we can say, but there's two reactions to believing if Jesus is who he says he is. One can be the reaction of these leaders, and that is they had blind ignorance and they refused to believe. You say, well, how do you know it's blind ignorance? Jesus is saying, I've presented you with fact after fact after fact after truth. My works have proven that I'm God. I've told you I'm God, and you keep refusing to believe. It's like the old thing we used to do as kids. You put your fingers in your ears. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. That's the way these guys are acting. They're saying, we don't want to hear that. We, we can't believe this to be true. And so they they refusing to believe there's this blind ignorance. And part of that is, it says, because you're not my sheep. Now, some people theologically will say, well, they can't believe because they're not his sheep. Well, is it that they can't believe because they're not his sheep or they're not his sheep because they don't believe? You know, I think it's they're not his sheep because they don't believe. They refuse to listen to what's going on. As I said, some of the Pharisees believed in him. And followed him, and so they were his sheep. But he's just once again just showing to them, you really have no part in what I'm doing. You have no understanding of what I'm trying to say. You have nothing to do with this this process of salvation. You have in your mind what it should look like, and you've already decided this is the way it is. 
Another thing that a lot of times we refuse to believe is because when we believe, it means that we have to change. We don't want to believe Jesus to be true because if we believe Jesus to be true and believe who who He says He is, He says He's holy, He says He's righteous, the Scriptures say He can't be in the presence of evil. And so we have to say, well, my life, I like my sin, so therefore in blind ignorance and refusal to believe, I'm not going to trust what Jesus says. And that's what these guys are doing. And many times we do the same thing. But the other response that we can give is just like the people in the very last verse of this passage. There were many who believed in Him. Many who believed. And so as we sit and think through this series we've been going through, we've proven over and over again that Jesus is saying that this is who I am. I'm God. I'm your provision. I'm the I am. I'm the Messiah. I'm shepherd of the sheep. All these different things. And we need to trust and understand if we don't believe him, then I can understand that you don't believe. But we can't say, I want to accept some parts of what Jesus says, but not all of what he said. Because if we only accept certain parts, the parts that we agree with, then we are really not accepting anything that he says. We are not believing. But to believe Jesus doesn't mean we understand it all. I'm not saying belief means you leave here or you, you've turned this off on Sunday and you say, you know what? Wow, I believe that. So now I know everything there is to know about Jesus. No, I've been doing this a long time. I've been following Christ for 48 years. And I still don't know everything there is to know. I still learn something new about the Lord every day. But I learn and I can understand and I can know because I believe. I couldn't understand the scriptures without the Holy Spirit in my life. The Holy Spirit can't be in my life unless I believe in Christ. And so here we see Jesus having this final showdown with the, with the Jews. He's saying, guys, been around for almost three years now. You've seen me. You've talked to me. Many of you were around when I was 12 years old, and you were amazed at my teaching then. You've seen me heal people. You've seen the results of my life. And yet you still refuse to believe. So he walks away and has nothing else to do with them. He goes to a place where he knows people are going to believe. And he separates himself from Jerusalem until the very next time we see him entering Jerusalem with people laying down palm leaves. And he's coming into Jerusalem to stir that pot one last time to to force the hand of these leaders to have him arrested and crucified so that he could die for your sins and for mine. He's not a martyr. He's not an innocent victim. He is the Savior of the universe who chooses His own death for your sin and for mine. So as you watch this video, as you process what that means, are you going to continue to live in your sin 
and walk around in blind ignorance and refuse to believe? Or do you want to believe what he has done for you, that he is who he says he is and that he died and rose again for your sins? Those are the choices we have. It's not a choice to say I want to believe parts and not believe other parts. We either believe or we don't believe. Those are the choices. So I want to ask you today, as you're watching this video, we've talked about it before. We'll, we'll announce again in a few minutes how you can get in touch with us at City Church. But if you are saying, I'm ready to believe, and you want to talk to someone from City Church about that, let us know. But you know what? You don't have to call someone at City Church or email someone at City Church to believe. You know what you need to do? You need to say, Lord, I trust you. I know I'm a sinner. I lean on your death and resurrection for my salvation. I believe you're who you say you are. I believe you died and rose again on my behalf. Please save me. That's all you got to do, and it's done. Is there growth going to have to come from that? Sure there is. Are there things you need to learn and, and, and know more later? Yes. But today, decide, am I going to be walking in blind ignorance and refusing to believe, or am I going to believe what he says? Let's pray. Lord, thank you again. As we listen to terminology maybe we're not familiar with, as we talk about feast and different things from Old Testament and from Jewish history and, and all of that, we need to understand how that relates. But when it comes down to it, whether we truly grasp all that history or not, the issue is we need to listen to what to who you know you are, to trust you, to lean on you, and to surrender ourselves and trust the fact that we're going to believe what you say whether we understand it all or not. Lord, I don't understand how a car works, but I believe when I put a key in it and turn the ignition, it's going to crank and it's going to get me where I want it to go. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's someone out there today who says, I want to believe, that they'll pray. The prayer that we did just a few minutes ago, that they'll recognize their own sinfulness. That they'll surrender to you. And that, Lord, they will find someone, whether it's City Church or someone else, who can walk with them and help them to understand the decision they made, help them to grow in that decision. We love you. We honor you. We commit ourselves to serve you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So as I said, there's different ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us at elders at thisiscitychurch.org. You can send us prayer requests at prayer at thisiscitychurch.org or you can even do info at thisiscitychurch.org. Plenty of ways by email. You can post something as a reply to this video on our Facebook page. Whatever it is, if you want to talk to someone, we're here and willing to talk and spend time with you and help you to understand more what we've been talking about. Also, if you're part of City, uh, City Church and you are part of one of our city groups, don't forget, we have Sunday night 
Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday afternoons for teenagers. And so a lot of different opportunities. But whether or not you get involved in our city groups or, or whether or not you ever come to our church, you may live in a totally different state, a totally different country. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you understand more who Jesus is because of who he knows he is.